six. My parents drove off, but I didn't exactly declare a national holiday and throw a party. No time. Instead, I spent the evening doing the research I should have done earlier. I sat at my computer, plugged into the web, and read everything I could find about the conference, the leaders who would be there, the Marriott Resort itself, the security services of each nation, everything. Then, I saw it, an article about the new Prime Minister of France, the one whose wife always, always, always traveled with her two chihuahuas. Now that could be useful. Uh-huh. Uh-huh what? I spun in my chair. It was Tom, sticking his head into my room. On my computer monitor was the article about the French chief. Don't act guilty, I silently ordered myself. But I clicked the window closed anyway. Are you going to tie up that line all night? Tom demanded. Someone might want to make a phone call. It's ten o'clock anyway. Your bedtime, he said, drawing out the last word. Shut up, I said. Just because mom and dad aren't here, that doesn't make you... Oh, yes, it does. I am the all-powerful Tom, he said. Once again, I had this weird urge to say, You know what, Tom? I know all about you. I know what you are. So how about if we just cut to the chase? What I really said was, I'm done, anyway. I moved the mouse to the sign-off and clicked once. Don't forget to brush your teeth, Tom said mockingly. He closed the door. Had he seen what was on my screen? Probably not. Even if he had, so what? So I was interested in the French government. Yeah, that made sense. What, with my lifelong interest in European heads of state? I sighed. Then... The phone rang. I hesitated. It was late for anyone to call. Probably mom or dad checking in. I picked it up. Did you get that? Tom yelled from down the hall. Yeah! I yelled back. Then, in a normal voice, Hello? Hi Jake, it's Cassie. I felt a tingle on the back of my neck. Cassie sounded cheerful, but that was because we never trusted the phones to be safe. Hi Cassie, what's up? Hey, you know what? I heard Letterman got cancelled. Is that true? No more Dave? No, it was more than a tingle. Of course, Letterman wasn't cancelled. Cassie had just been looking for a way to say Dave, as in David. David was missing. Did you check TV Guide? No, I looked everywhere else, though. Everywhere. Well, don't worry about it. He'll be there at the usual place, the usual time. We hung up. We both knew. David was missing and I was on my way, as soon as I could get away safely. I'd be at the usual place. Twenty minutes later, Tom came to check on me. I was in my bed. Asleep. Or at least I looked asleep. I lay there in the dark, listening. Then I heard the faint sound of the front door opening and closing. Tom was leaving. York business, no doubt. Yorks make lousy babysitters, I muttered under my breath. I morphed a brown bat and flew out of my open window. Bats aren't the fastest flyers in the world, but it was a moonless night, and I didn't want to risk running into power lines or anything that would be invisible. 
I found Cassie and Rachel at the barn. It was a bit creepy at night. The lights were kept very low, just enough to make out the rows of wire cages and to see vague shapes pacing or standing or snoring within. Cassie looked worried. Rachel, as always, looked great. I demorphed and stood there, barefoot and shivering, in bike shorts and t-shirt. Hey, Rachel, you must have morphed to get here so fast, I said. So how come you have regular clothes on? Cassie rolled her eyes. Didn't you know? Rachel keeps a couple of outfits here at the barn. Is it a crime to want to look good? Rachel asked, self-mockingly. Good grief, I said. So what's the deal? The deal is, David went to sleep in the loft around nine, early, said he was tired. I checked on him. At ten, I remembered that I forgot to give that deer with the bullet wound her meds, so it came back out. No, David. Chapter 7 Did you try and reach Marco? Cassie nodded. He can't come. His dad's out on a date, and when he comes back, he's sure to check on Marco. I guess the question is, how did David leave her? On foot or on wing? The other question is, why? Rachel pointed out. And where did he go? And while we're at it, doesn't he realize he's destroying my sleep with this stupid game? Okay, look. You two have your owl morphs. One of you go and look for Axe and Tobias. They can help. I'll go wolf morph, see if he left a scent trail. No, wait. What if someone sees me? Better do Homer. Homer is my dog. I'll go for Tobias, Rachel said. And Axe. I was already morphing. Already feeling the long, shaggy fur sprouting from my hands, arms, and chest. Um, Jake, you can't morph a dog in here. You know how dogs get around animals, Cassie warned. Oh, yeah. I smiled with what was left of my human mouth. I had morphed Homer several times before, and it wasn't that his dog instincts were overpowering or anything. It's just that he had a secret weapon for undermining my self-control. He was happy. As in, happy. And a dog surrounded by scared rodents and skunks and raccoons was just about as happy as a living creature could be. It's hard to resist happiness. It tends to kind of carry you away. I opened the big creaking barn door and went back outside. Hobbled because my legs were bending and shrinking and my feet were already more like paws. Cassie followed. Still no moon out. Clouds obscuring the stars. It was as black as night gets. The only light came from the faint, distant porch lights from the nearest subdivision and a light someone had left on in Cassie's house. I finished morphing Homer. I felt my face bulge out and out. I felt the teeth multiply and grow in my mouth. I felt my ears crawling up the side of my head. My legs bent and shrank till I fell forward onto pads that had replaced my palms. My tail wagged, and I felt that amazing rush of giddy, idiot, dog happiness. What had I been so worried about? It was nighttime. I was free. I could clearly hear some small animals scurrying over behind the bushes. I wasn't especially hungry. Life was great. I looked expectantly at Cassie. Did she want to play? I crouched low in front, making the signal of an invitation to dog play. Fortunately, Cassie had enough sense to decline. No, thank you, she said. I don't think we're here to play. 
We weren't? Oh, right, we weren't. But hey, what was that smell? Was that... Yes, it was dog poop. Not my poop, but definitely dog poop. Where? I sniffed. Okay, over there. I trotted toward the source of the smell. Hmm. Not fresh. This was old dog poop. At least a couple of days old. That didn't mean it was totally useless. But fresh dog poop was really far more interesting. Still, dog poop was only slightly more interesting than cat poop. And, let's face it, no one cares about cat poop. I think we have to focus, Jake. Cassie said as firmly as she could. What? Oh, yeah, I was just, you know, investigating. Uh-huh. We need your nose, but not for that. Yeah, okay. Back to business. I focused on the job at hand. Or, I tried, at least. I mean, I sounded serious for Cassie's sake, but come on. What was there to be all grim about? Life was a party. By the way, I meant to tell you I have an idea for how we can break into the resort. It's a morph that- Wait a minute. Is this idea going to make me feel better, or just creep me out? I interrupted. Cassie laughed. Maybe we should talk about it later. Here. She handed me a t-shirt. It's the shirt David wore yesterday. I sniffed it once. No more was needed. Because I knew right away that David had in fact walked away from the barn. His trail might as well have been marked with orange traffic cones. This wasn't as fun as chasing a stick. But it was some kind of game, at least. And I liked Cassie. If only she had a stick. Chapter 8 I followed David's scent as Cassie floated in absolute silence overhead. Her owl's wings made no sound, not even to my ears. He stopped here, I said. We were a thousand yards from the barn, in the middle of a field. He morphed. I'm getting a new scent. I sniffed carefully at the ground, going around in a circle. The idiot! I yelled, suddenly too angry to be dog-happy. He went into that lion morph you hooked him up with. Maybe he just wanted to try it out, Cassie said. We all used to do things like that. Yeah, I agreed. But a lion? This close to people's homes? I seem to remember you morphing to Tiger and running around on people's roofs, Jake. Oh, yeah. I followed the lion's scent. We headed across the fields of Cassie's farm and plunged into the woods. Cassie kept pace effortlessly. And after a while, a second silent owl and a much noisier hawk caught up to us. I couldn't find Axe, Rachel said. But Tobias is here. Yeah, lucky me, Tobias grumbled. We emerged again from the woods, and now we were close to a major road. On the far side, it was a built-up strip. Taco Bell, Mickey D's, a tire place, a couple of gas stations, and a holiday inn. I sniffed the ground again. He demorphed here. I trotted forward closer to the road, closer to the cars blazing past at 60 miles an hour. Here, he morphed again. The Golden Eagle. I took a deep breath. I had a bad feeling about this. 
I began to demorph. I wanted to be able to look around as a human to see what David had seen. Human once more, and not at all happy, I looked up and down the street. So, maybe he just came to snug some food. Maybe he was hungry. I left in some chips up in the loft, Cassie said. Maybe he had a craving for a Big Mac. Cassie, did he say anything to you tonight? He was complaining about missing his old room, his pet snake, his stuff, TV. I nodded. Yup, TV. I pointed at the Holiday Inn. Cassie, Tobias, Rachel, go take a look. I'll be right there. Ten minutes later, I was in the carpeted hall of the Holiday Inn. I knocked at the door number 2135. I could hear the television inside. Then, the TV went silent. David, it's me, Jake. I know you're in there. The door opened. David was wearing sweatpants and a t-shirt. The stuff I'd loaned him. Obviously, he taught himself to morph clothing like the rest of us. I didn't wait to be invited. I stepped inside. The TV was still on, but muted. What exactly are you doing here? I demanded, not very calmly. David shrugged. Hanging out. Watching some tube. Sleeping in a normal bed. What's that, a crime? Yeah, it is a crime, I said. You didn't pay for this room. It was empty, so what? I pointed at the broken window we'd spotted from outside. You broke a window to get in. David smirked. Hey, a bird broke a window, okay? A bird used a rock to dive bomb the glass. Is that a crime? I don't think so. Officer, arrest that eagle? That's not happening. You're not talking to someone who doesn't know what's what, okay? The eagle morph is just a body and basic instincts. The mind is yours. Eagles don't bust into holiday inns. That was you. David flopped back onto the bed and picked up the remote control. He started flipping channels, ignoring me. Listen, David. We don't break laws. Not unless absolutely necessary. We don't hurt innocent people. We have to control how we behave. We're not a bunch of criminals. Like on the beach when we needed clothing? I already mailed the money to the shop. Are you going to do that here? David stopped channel surfing. How's it end for me, Jake? He asked. I have no home, alright? My family wants to turn me over to the Yurks. What am I supposed to do? Keep living in that barn? It's easy for you, Jake. You have a family. You have a home. You all have homes. You all sleep in beds at night and watch TV and eat at a table. Not all of us, I said. Not Tobias. Not Axe. Axe isn't even human. Neither is Tobias. I am. I'm human, like you and Marco and Cassie and Rachel and all of you have homes. All of you can walk around the mall without having every controller around come down on you. It's a bad situation, I said. It stinks. Yeah, and what are you going to do about it, Jake? I... Look, we can only handle so many things at once, okay? Right now, the leaders of the most powerful nations on Earth are being targeted by the Yurks. I feel the clock ticking. I know your life sucks, okay? But I can't figure that out right now. Later. After this mission is over. David gave me a look that was pure cynicism. Yeah, right. 
Well, how about this, Jake? I'll handle my life. You be the big boss of the Animorphs, and I'll take care of me. An answer to David's challenge had formed in my mind. The words were right there. But they were harsh. And if I spoke them, I'd cross a line with David. A line I might not be able to uncross. It's like school and home, okay? David continued. It's like being an Animorph is school, and you're the teacher or the principal or whatever. But then, after I go home, you don't tell me what to do anymore. I shook my head. No, that's not what it's like, David. I don't want to come down on you, but the way it is, is like this. You want to go around using your powers in selfish ways, then we can't have you around. You're just a danger to us, and you're against what we stand for. His eyes widened. He rolled off the bed and stood up. Are you threatening me? No, just telling you the way it is. We're the only family you have now, David. The only people you can trust. The only people who can help you. We're all you have. Deal with it. He shot me a sullen, resentful look. I couldn't blame him. I sounded like someone's father saying, As long as you live in my house, you'll follow my rules. I sounded like I was threatening him. I was. Let's go, I said. We went. Hello, Phantomorphs, and thank you for listening to another episode of Audiomorphs, the Animorphs auditory experience. As always, this is your host, Daniel. We got a couple of messages this week, so let's just crack them right open. We got some Dana mail. First, off Tumblr, uh, from Golden Fleece Hunter, wrote in to say, I just wanted to say, I came across your Audiomorphs podcast. I appreciate the parentheses podcast, um, just like on the show title on Spotify, and I have listened to 14 books already, and then that, like, stressed-out emoji, where, like, all the teeth are showing, he's like, ooh, one of those. Uh, you do a great job, and I just heard you ask a question about who is our favorite Animorph. Oh, wanting more fan interact, wanting more fan interaction, and this might have been an, an unpopular opinion at this point in the series, but my favorite was probably Tobias. One, because he stayed dedicated while being stuck as a hawk, and was the one to come closer to the Andalites, uh, they, or, sorry, come closer to the aliens they came across, and two, Andalites and the Freehork Bajir, all while being stuck as a hawk, not to mention the fact that he had an Andalite father. Yeah, uh, I don't think that's actually, uh, a spicy take at all. I think a lot of people really love Tobias. Um, you know, Tobias' archetype is that weird loner kid, and I feel like, uh, all of us uh, have, have gone through some phase in our life where we felt like the weird loner kid, and so I think his character really resonates with a lot of people. Um, it certainly does for me. I, I really like Tobias uh, as well. If I were to guess who is uh, the least popular among the fans, um, I might, I, I'd say probably Cassie, and don't get me wrong, I love Cassie. Cassie might be my favorite character, but... Um, it's kind of the uh, the Skylar the Skylar situation in Breaking Bad. Like she's um, so often her her role is the moral compass of the group, and so that, a lot of times that means raising objections about possible plans, um, and checking in and kind of saying, "Hey, are we are we towing the line? Where is the line? We got to make sure we know where the line is." 
and um you know that can halt progression and that can feel like you're you're stopping viable tactics uh in all all out war and um i i think that that can rub a lot of readers the wrong way because while this series is um both a very thoughtful exploration of war and trauma and difficult decisions where there's no good answer and having to live with those consequences it is also a sci-fi epic adventure series for children excuse me it is also a sci-fi epic series adventure for children and so there is still a sense of wonder and excitement and um stakes that we are all rooting for the animorphs to overcome and and i can see like why why that rubs people the wrong way sometimes i disagree uh, for the record, I think that she is a core part of the group dynamic and vitally important. Um, but that's a different discussion. <laughs> I'm just saying, um, from what I've seen and, and what I, I I think how it breaks down, I would not be shocked if there was a poll and Cassie ended up last, is all I'm saying. Um, but thank you for writing in. I'm glad you're enjoying it. Um, I'm glad you you like my version. Um, and keep on rocking on. I also got a message uh, through my website, theapocalypse.com. That's the apocalypse, like apocalypse, but with a D in the middle. And this is from Jason, who writes in, I just came into your Animorphs audiobooks. I was listening to the official ones, but they only have the first few books, which is odd. But you were able to keep it alive for me. Thank you. Also, you were really hard to track down on the web, lol. Uh, thank you for writing in, Jason. I'm very sorry that my SEO is very bad and it's hard to find. I don't know how to improve it. I don't know if I want to improve it because, uh, what I'm doing here might... I don't I don't know how fair use law actually works. Uh, this may or may not be a copyright infringement and with, you know, Animorphs getting graphic novels and that feature film and everything lately, Scholastic has been putting a little bit more attention on this IP, and, you know, I, I just don't want to get DMCA'd, you know? Uh, I've invested this much time and money into this project. I, I would like to see it finished, at least. So I don't even know if I want more exposure, you know? I mean, don't get me wrong. If you got a friend you think who would like this, please tell them. I'm just talking about, you know, like, viral internet searching sort of exposure. Uh, it's... I don't know. I don't know. If you're a lawyer and can tell me if this is, uh, can counts as transformative work, let me know. Um... In the meantime, we'll just keep trucking along here in, in the hipster indie underground area of the internet, I guess. But uh, thank you for writing in, Jason. I'm glad you're enjoying it. I am still, I believe, a little bit ahead of the audiobooks. I think I'm three or four, I think, books ahead. But they've been churning them out lately. So uh, they're catching up to me. I had like a year and a half lead on them, but they're catching up. Uh, you know, full-time production. What can you do? Alright, uh, well those are the two messages I had, so thank you both for writing in. If you'd like to write in like they did, uh, you can do it through audiomorphscast at gmail.com, audiomorphscast.tumblr.com, uh, or my website, theapocalypse.com. That's the apocalypse, like apocalypse, but with a D in the middle. Uh, and you can also uh, contact me on Twitter, at audiomorphs. Um, I, I'll probably just reply to you on Twitter if you do that. Um, instead of reading in the show notes, but you can definitely reach out there. Um, that's also where you need to check if, you know, an episode's ever late. I'll post the reason why on Twitter. Um, other than that, uh, you know, if you use Apple Podcasts and like to leave me a rating and review, that's another way to get in contact with me. I'll read those. Um, I enjoy reading them. 
And of course, your aforementioned friends, if you got them that, and you think they would uh, enjoy this, by all means, as long as they're not, you know, Mr. John Scholastic, um, here to take take away my project, you can let your friends know. Again, unless your friend is Mr. John Scholastic, in which case, keep your mouth shut. But otherwise, let them know. <laughs> all right, we're just in a little silly, goofy mood right now, so let's get on out of here. Um, thank you for listening, and I will see you all next week. My name is Daniel, and I believe one day the Andalites will come. Until then, we fight. <laughs>